Hi, can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for, and sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. Madeline Martin is a New York Times and international best-selling author of World War II historical fiction and historical romance that spans from medieval castles to Regency ballrooms. She lives in Florida with her amazing husband, two sweet daughters, and two shamelessly spoiled cats. She is a diehard history lover who will happily lose herself in research any day and attributes her fascination with history to having spent most of her childhood as an army brat in Germany. Here is our conversation. Hi, Madeline. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. I've been super excited about it. (laughs) I feel the same way. I feel like there's so much to talk about. I finished The Librarian Spy yesterday. I was walking around my house with it in my left hand, putting in laundry, doing all sorts of stuff. I couldn't put it down. I loved it. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I really, I have to confess, and I can confess this now because I'm past it, but when I picked it up, I have read a a number of historical fiction novels based in World War II. And so there's a temptation, I feel like, and maybe you've found this too, where you sort of think you know what to expect when you pick up that book. And so I picked it up maybe with that expectation a little bit, and I was so happy to be dead wrong. Because oh, well, thank you. it's so fantastic. It's wonderfully written. It's tight. I really felt the characters. And you did a really good job of balancing the historical part with the fiction part. I, oh, you know, you. Yeah. yeah. It is easy to go a little too crazy on the historical part. I do have to rein in a little bit sometimes. So thank God for edits. <laughs> yes. This is why writers need editors. Of course, yes. I never overstate anything, so I can't relate. But I mean, I can imagine that would happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just comes right out like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, would you tell me a little bit about the research process for this one? Did you take a trip there? Yeah. So first of all, I did about, gosh, I think it was like about six months worth of research, just buying everything that I possibly could on the French resistance and life in in Lisbon or just neutral Portugal during World War II, which was not an easy subject to research. So I am incredibly glad that I was able to go to Lisbon to actually do on-site research because there's really, there are some publications out there, mm-hmm. but there are not very many. And so I did, I got to go to, first of all, I went, I got to go to DC at the Library of Congress, which is where my heroine Ava Harper works. And then I was able to go to Lyon, France. And I, and I got to go through these triples, which are like those under, they're like these covered passageways that connect strings of buildings together. So you could enter on one street and exit on another. And then I also got to go to Lisbon, Portugal, and just absolutely fell in love with the beauty of it there. Mm. So it was really incredible. What a gift to be able to do that. I I was so grateful for the opportunity too. Yeah, absolutely. I I bet. And I really could feel that some of the, especially your writing about Portugal really felt very immediate and I could see a lot of it. And also I'm, this is horrible. I don't think I realized that Portugal was neutral. So that was really fascinating for me. 
Yeah. I, you know, honestly, like I, you know, I, I just learned so much about Portugal and my research with this book. And that's one of the things I really love about, I mean, I'm a total research nerd anyways, mm-hmm. and I'm a total history nerd right along with it. And I think that's, what's so fascinating is like, you know, you find a little, a little scratch on the surface and then you start digging and you find this incredible, all these details. And like, I didn't know that they didn't really have rationing. Apparently there was a very, very small blip of rationing, like toward the end of the war. Okay. But it was, it was such a blip that I literally could find no information about it. So I really, I didn't end up putting that in the book just because I don't want to write about something that I have no information on. Um, but I mean, <laughs> but really, smart. yeah, it really was. I mean, for the most part, you know, it, it was, it was like they had all their lights were on. They didn't do any blackouts, you know, they, and the rest of the world is all blacked out. You know, the rest of the world is, is like practically really starving, yes. you know, especially when you look at, you know, Poland and, and France and, but it's, it's so interesting learning all the different, because my, my previous book, the last bookshop in London was London, you know, England. And then um, my future book is set in Warsaw, Poland. So learning all these different sort of cogs in the, the sort of World War II scheme of things, it's really so interesting kind of figuring out why this is happening and why that happened and and seeing it really from both sides. So yeah, sorry. No, (laughs) that's really excited. (laughs) That's fascinating. I find that so, that is just so, uh, I, I love, I'm just, I'm out of words, but I think (laughs) I appreciate though, that idea that you're seeing it from multiple sides. Cause I think we think that we've sort of heard everything about World War II in some ways. Right. Absolutely. It was such a huge conflict. I mean, huge is such a, that doesn't even cover it, but. Oh, absolutely. I think having moments. And I think the thing I love about the librarian spy that brought, that it brought home for me, that is always a reminder when I think about that time is the number of individual stories. Oh, um, yeah. Because it was worldwide. And so you see this idea of they, these were people, individual people with families and lives and that were totally torn apart, destroyed. And then also people that were impacted by it, even if they weren't necessarily targeted. So the idea that people's lives were forever altered by that on an individual level. I'm sure that sounds super obvious, but it's just a reminder because I think we start to think about things in generalities. Right, exactly. Well, and you know, and you think about like a lot of the the refugees, like, you know, a lot of like the Jews that were fleeing Nazi-occupied Europe, you would think like, oh, they're lucky because they're in Portugal and it's neutral, so they're safe. But, you know, I mean, yes, they were in in a place that was relative safety, but, but it was, you know, it, it was always like, they didn't know if tomorrow was going to be safe because Germany was always sort of teasing at the idea of attacking Portugal. And if that were to be the case, they could have easily been occupied there as well. So they didn't know how long that safety would last. There were so many hoops that they had to jump through to get these. And they had ridiculous visas, exit visas, entry visas, and they all had expiration dates. And even if you could, you didn't know if you could get um, a ticket on a boat. And then, you know, you had the Portuguese special police, the PVDE, that was standing there waiting for something to expire and you could be arrested. And the prisons there were so bad. They literally had a chart, a pain chart for these different types of the body that would elicit the most pain. I mean, it just, it was really, really, really just absolutely. So it was, you know, like I said, it seemed lucky from a, from a big picture. Oh, how lucky they, they were to, to be in a neutral country, but but there were still so many dangers there. So, and, and the Portuguese 
were so generous. Like as, as scary as the Portuguese police were, yeah, the Portuguese people were generous and loving and welcome. They really opened their homes. I mean, they had so little to give, but they gave food, they gave shelter. I mean, it really was beautiful reading how incredibly, you know, really giving they were to the refugees, just like, I mean, so many thousands of refugees and they just gave and gave and gave. Hmm. Yeah. You really captured that well, what you described just there, the precarity of it, because there were scenes where, and I am always very careful about giving nothing away, but there were (laughs) scenes where some of the refugees were, you know, encountering sudden, this sudden bounty. And then the idea that not only, yes, it's wonderful to have it, but they couldn't trust it. Right. Absolutely. And that sort of life that they were experiencing. It just, you did a great job capturing all that. Did you find, just listening to you talk about the research, was that hard for you to go so deep into some of that darkness during your research? Absolutely. You know, with, with all of my research in World War II, there are a lot of things that I wish that I had never read mm. because they do, they stay with me. A lot of those things I will never put into my books because I don't want to, to put that into people's yes. brains because yes. um, I'm, and, but I'm, I'm glad that they are still published by, you know, by a lot of these nonfiction authors because they need to be remembered. These horrible things that happened. I just personally, you know, can't put them in, especially, you know, like, like, little kids and and animals, like things like that. Those are the sort of things that I just can't, uh, I can't put any of those, but you know, it's, it's really actually very sad because a lot of the, the nonfiction books that I use, a lot of them are actually out of print. And Mm. that's sad because after I, like my family knows, I tell them all the time, if I meet an untimely demise, please have my entire stock of library donated to like a university or like the library, because I have, I have books here that, you know, were published. They they stopped being in print like 30 years ago. And Mm. so when these books all kind of fade away, that knowledge is going to be gone forever as well. So, you know, I, I just, you know, it's, I'm grateful to have so much research <laughs> that I have been able to go through. <laughs> Absolutely. You sound a lot like Ava, right? In the beginning, wandering <laughs> through the rare books and having an appreciation for those volumes. So oh, absolutely. I can yeah. see some yeah. of them in her for sure. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely a little bit of me and all of my characters that I write that, you know, that you just sort of like explore like a certain aspect of yourself and just sort of like almost make that a, a forefront feature in that particular character. Absolutely. Well, and I've only written nonfiction. So I think that the idea of doing that is really exciting, sort of hiding those bits of yourself within those characters. And, and you're right, exploring it to some extent. I think that sounds like a very fun exercise. And speaking of writing, though, I think I have to make sure my listeners know, how many books have you written? I didn't even count them up because I was scrolling (laughs) through your website. I was so impressed. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, so I previously had written um, historical romance, and I've written, gosh, I think it's like I think it's like 39 books or 40 books at this point. (laughs) It's a lot. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Will you go back to historical romance, or are you finished with those? 
I may still write some historical romance. I will say that historical fiction definitely has really snagged my attention recently, you know, especially because I love, love, love the research of it in case you can't tell. So couldn't tell you don't make it obvious at all. (laughs) (laughs) And even with, with historical romance, like, you know, I didn't stay in one particular historical genre. Like I did the 1800s and then I switched and started doing medieval. And then I started doing Regency. And for each one of those, I did research for probably about like a year before really delving into writing those series and everything. So I I think that that was almost sort of a prelude to my understanding of like, hey, Madeline, you really enjoy the research part of all of this. Yes. You need to just do that for each individual book. And so, you know, historical fiction really lends itself to the opportunity for me to lose myself in stacks and stacks and stacks of these old books that smell wonderful and, um, and just, and just glean as much information as absolutely possible. And then, and then put a lot of those wonderful little nuggets of history that I find, like, you know, just, just the details about what they ate, what they drank, where they walked, what it felt like, you know, what they, what were the books that they were reading back then? You know, what was the lifestyle? What were they wearing? All of those details, I devour them. And, and I really enjoy, uh, you know, slipping them into the story to, to make it more realistic. Well, it's, I am so glad you do it because it's really, I really just enjoyed the read. It was so good. And I really liked also, you have some beautiful, turns like I marked a few passages that I really loved and this one about words it is resistance among oppression words rivaling heavy artillery seemingly insignificant and yet still efficacious this is strength in its rawest form it is beautiful and I read that and I was so moved by it I just your love of books and words really comes through in this and I feel like also your appreciation of librarians because there's a lot in here about just this feel of librarians are people who love to learn and they're willing to do what they need to 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 learn and they also but at the same time really like to know what they're supposed to be doing so there were a few ways that you explored that and I really identify with that because I like to know what I'm doing all the time and (laughs) just occasionally don't Thank you. I confess I have a couple of friends who are librarians and I did full on interviews with them because I really wanted to delve into the psyche of librarians. In fact, um, you know, even when I went to the Library of Congress, one of the librarians that I was chatting with, I kind of started poking around his brain a little bit. I love it. Um, and, and I kind of explained to him, oh, I'm writing a book about a librarian. And he was like, oh, okay. You know, and so uh, he gave me some information. But, you know, it was because I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure. For me, like librarians are my personal heroes. When I was a little girl, we moved all over the world. Like my dad was in the army. So we had three different tours in Germany. So we were, you know, we were moving every four years. And my best friends were always the librarians in my school, first and foremost, because that's where I really found comfort and understanding and connection was through books. And then of course, you know, I made real in-person friends, but but books were always, and, and so, you know, libraries were, or librarians were the ones who, you know, (laughs) would show me which section I needed to go to and they would see me every day getting my new book and everything. So I certainly did not want to do a disservice by doing a cliche librarian character or something along those lines. So I did try very, very hard to make Ava a, a librarian in the truest form. <laughs> I mean, uh, if, if, you know, obviously like every, it's not homogenous, you know, I know everybody's, you know, obviously going to be a different librarian, oh, but sure. I wanted to make sure that I avoided the cliches essentially. Yes. And I think you did. I mean, she just had the heart of a librarian, right? Yes. Where she really, 
had that perseverance and knowledge and information. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I really, I enjoyed that. And I liked what you were just saying about, you know, pre making real life friends when you move somewhere. And a lot of people, I think it's more common now. I grew up moving a lot as well, but my dad was in the hotel business, but you're right. It takes time to get to know people. And so this idea that when you move somewhere, a library is an easy place to go to start that yeah, absolutely. so that you don't feel so lonely. Because that's yeah. the hard absolutely. part, I think. Yeah. Because those characters, I always know what's going on in your life, even though you've never met them before. Yes. <laughs> you can find something so deep to connect with and you're like, oh, they get me. Yes. <laughs> it's so true. Oh, I yeah. love that feeling where I think you could be my best friend. Right. Yeah. <laughs> My husband doesn't have that same weird appreciation for books. And so sometimes he thinks maybe I go a little too deep with it and I just disregard, right? They are my friends. I know. They don't understand our bestie connection we got going on. <laughs> no. And I mean, hey, that's fine. You do you. Exactly. But I'll exactly. be over here with my books exactly. and leave me to it. Your book bestie. <laughs> <laughs> there's a book boyfriend and there's, I think there should be a book bestie. This should be like a new, a new thing. Yes. That's yeah. an excellent idea. Let's patent it super fast because I feel like that's what I need to do so that I can be independently wealthy. I'm in. Let's do it. Great. It's like bumper stickers, t-shirts. Done. <laughs> Done. Done. I accept. It's so Cool to hear about your research process. Now, how did you get started? So it sounds like you were a big reader. How'd you get started writing? And how did you end up starting with romance? So I got started writing. I was on maternity leave and I was reading through the Outlander series. And um, well, and you know, the funny thing is, I think that I've always sort of wanted to be a writer. Like my mom was one of those moms that saved like every single piece of like work that I did in school from like the time I went to pre-K all the way until like, you know, college. And so I got one day, she was like, oh, we don't really have room. So I'm sending you these boxes. And it was like literally boxes and boxes of all this like school crap. And so um, (laughs) coming of age moment, right? When you get the boxes of crap sent to you. Yes. Continue. Exactly. Exactly. That's how you know you're an adult. Like that's like for the epoch, you know? Yeah. I'm not keeping this anymore. (laughs) But I did at least look through it. And when I was looking through it, I found all of these books that I had written, like these, like little chapter books. There was even one that had like a hardcover on it, um, illustrated it myself. Uh, I had like a little dedication and an author's, uh, like a little author's bio in the back and everything. So, you know, it's, it's something that I've always really, I think, enjoyed because I, I've always read books and I've always had stories in my head. And I think after you have so much input, the output starts to kind of seep out. And so when I was on maternity leave with my oldest, I started reading Outlander. And if you haven't read it, it's such a good book, the whole series. And if you've only seen the show, please read the book. And if you haven't read the book or seen the show and you watch the show, it's totally hot and you should do it. Okay. <laughs> so, that is a good disclaimer for all of that. Yes. And so, um, so I love the idea of like, you know, this like brawny Scottish hero and like this, this sort of plucky English heroine. And so I was like, I love that. I want to fall into a world like that. And so I started doing research and, um, I, I wrote my first book and it's uh, called Deception of a Highlander. And, um, it's about an English assassin female and a hero Laird who she has to kill. So Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, do you have a favorite out of 
all of those books? Like if, um, if somebody wanted to read one of your romances, which one would you put in their hands? Oh my gosh. That's I mean, this is assuming they're obviously going to go on and buy all of them and read all of them. Right. Absolutely. Where do we start? I think my favorite was probably Marin's Promise from my Borderland Ladies series. It's like a series that's set on the border between Scotland and England. Okay. And uh, it was a very tumultuous sort of location because it was, the border was very blurry. It was always sort of passing back and forth. And so if you lived there, you had to have nerves of steel. And so Ooh. the whole premise of it is women who are raised to be ladies, but can fight like men. And so they each, each of the sisters has like, their like, you know, I know I love a strong heroine. Oh. I can't help it. Yes. And these women are incredibly awesome. If I do say so myself, I know I invented them. So maybe that's a little biased, but, uh, but I, but I love it. those yes. characters. <laughs> okay. Ooh, I'm definitely going to read that one. Okay. I'm going to order it today because I did, after I finished Librarian Spy, that was my first thought is, Ooh, I want to read one of her romances Oh, well, because thank you. yeah, you bring the characters to life in such a good way. And it's summer, so it feels right. Yep. Get <laughs> that. Well, thank you so much. Well, yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I feel like romance is kind of having a moment also because I do feel like maybe in previous years, and I could be wrong about this, but it felt like it was more of a, it, I, I think there was maybe less respect for that genre. Did you ever feel that way writing in that space? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Even, okay. even that, like, not even just from like, you know, from external sources that like I didn't know, but even yeah. from internal sources, like, oh, when are you going to write a real book? You know, and things like that. And very, very derogatory perspective on the romance genre. And to be honest with you, I mean, romance is difficult to write because you have two protagonists. You don't just have one. So you have two character arcs. You know, you have have two of pretty much everything, but you also have to have them echo each other. And so that they have this, this sort of like, you know, arc simultaneously. So it's almost like twice the work. You know, it really is... And then, you know, you also, with romance too, you know, especially historical, you have to walk that very fine line between reality and fantasy. Like they wake up in the morning and they're talking and they give each other a kiss and you're like, but they don't have morning breath because it's fiction. <laughs> right. Like he runs his hand up her leg and there's no hair because it's fiction. You, know, <laughs> you don't mention that there's no hair, but you don't, you, I guess you don't specify that there is hair. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, I 100% you know, do. So, so it's, uh, yeah. And that's, <laughs> yeah, you have to have a different touch with that though. You're exactly right. right. Because as much as I would enjoy, yeah, he runs his hand up her leg and thinks, yikes. (laughs) Yeah. She's a little more burly than I am. (laughs) Burlier or more burly. I don't know. That's why we have editors, right? (laughs) So true. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. It's so true. Yeah. There is a little bit more complexity to it and poorly written romance is the worst. Oh, it's so that's the thing that if you can do it well, and many people do, yeah. you're exactly right. There is an element of complexity that is there that isn't there for other fiction. That's so true. Right. And I don't know why it got such a bad 
rap, but I'm glad to see that it seems to be getting a little bit more respect. respect. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it absolutely deserves respect too, because I feel like, you know, one of the things I think is so wonderful about romance is I feel like it really digs deep to a raw part of people. Yes. And, and I think that not all genres do that. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that's so powerful about romance, especially when it comes like, you know, to love and things like that. And, and really like that vulnerability, that extreme vulnerability of being in, in love. Mm. And I think that really highlights that. I wonder, there's probably a good sort of psychoanalysis sort of opportunity here to see if people who didn't like, if that were triggering for them, right? I have lots of questions, right? right? Like, yeah. oh, you didn't like that book? Too many shields up kind yes. of Yes. Yeah. Why didn't you like that book? And I do have that question a lot from people because yeah. I think, as you're saying, this is something that someone has crafted. So the idea that someone would ask you, when are you going to write a real book? Oh, I know. It's disgusting. That's yeah. just Obviously, it was helpful. very offensive when they asked. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would True. think so. Jeez. Yeah. Lose my number. Also, yeah, exactly. don't talk to me ever again. Okay. <laughs> so tell me about your process. I'm going to say I'm peeking on your background and I see a oh. bunch of post-it notes, which makes me excited, especially since they're also color-coded. Do you use yes. post-its? Oh, yeah. I love, to- love color-coding. Um, so it's not actually for my plotting. This is actually for my uh, my my quarterly goals. I like to try to keep, like, it's called the Kanban board for anybody who knows Heart Breathing, which is by Sarah Cannon. Oh. It has all kinds of videos on, like, like just, like, sort of staying organized and on top of life because it gets chaotic. But I can't relate. My life is never chaotic. I know, but right? I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, just, it's basically keeping track of all my goals. So like, the top is what needs to be done. The middle is what is in the process of done. And the bottom is what's completed. And you will notice that it is June. We are midway through June. And so my quarter is clearly... I've bitten off more than I can chew oh. because the bottom is it's more top heavy still than it is bottom heavy. And at this point it should be more bottom heavy. <laughs> That's amazing. And chaos. <laughs> <laughs> well, chaos no. <laughs> that is amazing. I have never heard of that. Say the name of the book again. What was it? Oh, it's um, it's actually it's called Heart Breathings, like how heart you breathe. Breathing. Heart breathing. Um, if you go to YouTube, she has a ton of videos, okay. and she's really great with just detailing all kinds of stuff to kind of help your life be organized. And she, everything that she does is like beautifully color coded and amazing. Oh. So, yeah, she's I awesome. Just, I love people like that, and I also really want to hate them, but then I, I can't because I adore them so much. Right? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So annoying, I tell you. But that is good to know. I'm going to look at that because that definitely speaks to my chaotic little heart that's like, yeah, at least you feel like you're on track, even if like you've got like a little squirrel rave party going on in your head or whatever. (laughs) A squirrel rave. That is such a good. Uh, analogy for what happens up there. It's so yeah. true. That's amazing. <laughs> well, and the thing I like about that too is that you keep your completed items on there because right. I think that is something I'm often missing is that I don't pay attention to what I've actually done. We and don't so, give ourselves kudos no. for the accomplishments that we do. It's just moving on to the next thing. So I agree. It's it, it's so good. True. Okay. Yay. I have a new project. Perfect. And I'll get a big poster board. I'm sure my husband's going to be super psyched. It's going to be great. I'll put it up in our bedroom on his side of the bed. Oh, I love it. That way you can (laughs) it up and also bid him good morning. (laughs) Good morning, 
are my goals looking? And you look great too, by the way. <laughs> you look great too. And of course, I don't have morning breath. Let's pretend. Um, no, yeah, I'm um, <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so just on that note, though, so you don't use the post-it notes for that, but how do you go about, like, when you start a book, and right now you're working on the Keeper of Hidden Books, right? Correct, yes. So when you set out to do it, you start with the research, mm-hmm. and then what's your first step for how you craft a book? So I actually do the character development first before I do anything. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important to do my background research, because I do a lot of first person, like firsthand accounts. And so you really get a feel for, because every country reacts to different things differently at different time points in history. And so it really helps you put your finger on the pulse of what is the mood? Like, obviously it's, it's war. It sucks. It's, you know, bad things are happening. But there are different reactions for different people. And so that will go into how my characters are going to be developed. And so, you know, what their backstories are and, you know, what there are problems that they have to overcome. All of that is going to be based off of sort of the mood of of what these characters would be experienced if they lived there. And so, you know, it was really a really quick little side note. It was interesting. Somebody read The Librarian's by or from the last bookshop in London from Poland. And they said, oh, I loved this. But, you know, the fact that they thought that, you know, the Britain was everything and they were the ones who won the war, you know, I didn't really appreciate that. And I said, well, I said, you know, oh, thank you so much. Cause she really did love the book aside from just that. So I felt okay commenting. And I said, oh, thank you so much. Like, I'm so glad you liked it. And I said, but they did think that. And when I write my books in France, they think that also. And the book that I'm writing about in Poland, they also are going to have that same patriotic excitement because I'm writing the books for the characters, you know? And she was like, oh, that absolutely makes sense, you know? And like, she was like, you know, like I said, I wasn't snarky about it or anything. It was just kind of explaining because I'm writing these books, not from an American author, but from the the perspective of what these people would be feeling as they are a French citizen or a Polish citizen or, you know, in, in London and that kind of thing. So, so anyways, that's the long story with the characters. And then I take all of the events that happened in history that I've researched and I build my plot around that because my characters are going to react to those points in history, especially based off of the character chart that I just developed. Yes. And then I actually plotted out, believe it or not, chapter by chapter. So I know exactly how many, if I keep it to this many words per chapter, I'll know what the book is going to be at the end of the, you know, at the end of the story. Yep. And then, and then it takes about, you know, two months or so to write because at that point it's all alive in my head. I have the whole outline ready to go. And then it's just, <laughs> that is amazing. That really is magical. It really is. It, it's so incredible. Kind of just, it's like, you know, building a skeleton, like you have the frame and then like you start putting all the little nerves and tendons, and the heart, yes. <laughs> and then you put all the muscle and then, you know, of course the edits, that's where you get like, you know, the fingernails and the eyelashes and yes. <laughs> eyebrows and all that, you know, <laughs> that's such a good way to think of it. But I love what you're saying there that, well, two things, when you were talking about your interaction with that reader, the, the idea that you really do have to set yourself aside to write effective historical fiction and characters that really could have been there. Right. Absolutely. That sort of diligence in recognizing where, like we were talking about, you kind of hide pieces of yourself in the character, but they have to be the right pieces. Right. And they're also still going to be their own person. Like they will make decisions that I would never make. You know what I mean? Because that's going to be true to their character. So, yeah. But that is the magical part. The idea that those characters are that alive in your head. 
that you can sit down (laughs) and put them onto a page. I mean, I, I love that. I, and I really, I think after reading your book too, it really, you're very gifted at it. So I'm so glad you're a writer. I really appreciate that. It's honestly a really awesome job and I'm super grateful to be doing it every single day. Oh, I think you're in the right place, my friend. It's great. I I always joke that I'm, I'm a full-time mom with this little writing gig on the side because, because chaos. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that sounds right for most people, right? And you also have a very spoiled cat to attend to, it sounds like. Yes, I do. Absolutely. So may I ask what your cat's name is? Her name is Ink. She has, um, she's super cute. She's a calico and she has a big black splotch over one eye and it looks like a little drop of ink just went. And so she's like the perfect writer's cat. And then my daughter, my daughter has a cat too. His name is Gunner. He's a little, he's got, he's all black and he has a little crook in his tail. So it makes like a little coil. So we call him our curly tail black cat. And uh, so those two, yeah, they're always keeping me company and and they're both very, very spoiled and adorable. (laughs) That is the sweetest. And I'm really asking that question for me, but also for my sister who is a super cat lady. And so I know that when she listens to this episode and hears the description of those cats, she's going to have to stop herself from running out to adopt a kitten. It's just, yeah, they just, they make her cold black heart just so happy. It's amazing. Well, we also just inherited uh, two ducklings. So. Oh my goodness. What are their names? Houdini and Mika. So, <laughs> my oldest daughter is a camp counselor at horseback riding camp, and apparently these ducklings were abandoned, and so so now we have two ducklings, um, so which are very super super cute. But dear lord, the poop! Omg, so oh, much. <laughs> are they pooping all the time? Oh my. well, yeah, and they're they're on the back patio. We have right. them. Yeah. That I, I had already put my foot down and said, no, they couldn't come in the house, but they are super, super cute. So we'll just pretend I didn't say that about all the poop and just, they're so fuzzy and adorable. Oh, I think they can be fuzzy and adorable and poop machines. And I we just, I, I feel like you're doing a public service also because you don't want to just say, hey, they're fuzzy. And then people oh, yeah. run out they're and adopt adorable. one. You should totally get like 10. That's don't. right. <laughs> you have so much poop. <laughs> have a character that ends up with a duck for some reason I feel like I can really you know I have the knowledge now that I can incorporate into that book (laughs) yes duck mind yes Yes, maybe a farmer I'm already thinking I think I think that can work that's exciting to think about (laughs) very good well I love hearing about all of this I think I could listen to you talk about books and your process all day long because you're such a I can see after the number of books you've written, you're such a pro. And also I appreciated that about this one too, because your pacing in The Librarian Spy was so good. Because oh. I think there can be a lot of dragging spots sometimes where there's too much description or, you know, historical fiction is tricky to do. So right. I think you did a wonderful job. And I can't wait to read read Keeper of Hidden Books. Tell us when that one comes out. Where are you in the process? Um, I actually don't know when that one comes out. I just, I'm assuming it'll probably be next year sometime. It is on, it's on Goodreads. So if you actually, if anybody wants to add it to their Goodreads, they can. Okay. Um, It doesn't have a cover and it doesn't have a blurb, 
but I do have little <laughs> notes on there that I've like, I've been like on the yeah. review part, I've been keeping little notes about what, what's going on with the book. So if anybody wants to sort of keep abreast of what's happening with it, but my process currently is I am in the research. Well, actually I've done the research. I got back from Warsaw. I was there for two weeks doing research wow. and it was, it was really, truly amazing. It's a beautiful, beautiful city with just a really a really deep and scarred past, you know, mm, but it was, yes. I, it was really just such an incredible experience to get to go there. And, and then I came home and I got my characters all drawn up and I have all their pictures and everything. And then I put my plot together and I sent it to my editor and he said, this sounds really good. He said, I really hope you can stay within like a, make this not too crazy long because it's a lot going on. And I said, oh, I know <laughs> because I want to, it's like, I want to include everything. Yes. So I don't think there's going to be any sort of definitely no, no pacing lag here because there literally is no room for it. And so, and I'm in the writing phase now. So exciting. Okay. So we'll add it to our Goodreads, which side note is helpful to authors and publishers in terms of pre-orders and the the ideas at the beginning, right? Absolutely. Because if somebody does want to read a book, then when the book comes out, you'll get an email letting you know that the book is available. So if it's something where, you know, sometimes you, oh, I want to get that, but then it like slips from your mind, you can at least go. It's not, it's not a commitment of a pre-order, but you still have the notification of when it's available. So it's really helpful for readers too. Ooh, that's a good idea because I find that, yes, I get overwhelmed. Occasionally, Books arrive on the doorstep, and I don't even remember that I had I know. them. <laughs> what a gift! It's like a gift to you from past you, and you're like, "Thanks, past me." <laughs> this book looks amazing. You are so good. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Thanks, past me. You're the best. You're so generous. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so do you have a question for me? It's time for the Ask a Librarian part of this show. I love this. Okay. If you could go into any book world, which book world would you choose? Okay. And full disclosure to listeners past, Madeline was so kind and she sent me this question so that I could actually have time to think about it. But I'm going to give you a longer answer because my first thought, of course, was Harry Potter because I feel like such a kinship with Hermione and always have. Yes. And I just... I. I would love to go there and the idea that I could live in that world for a while. So obviously that was my first answer and I do still stand by that, but I also wanted to add some others because it felt obvious to me. I'm sure it's not obvious to other people, but (laughs) I get that. I get that. Yeah. So very much to explore. Well, exactly. It feels like choosing my favorite child, which I mean, on some days is a lot easier than choosing your favorite book because teenagers are super fun. They're Girl. really awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have That's stressful. <laughs> uh, nope. Yep. I it's it's so true. So Harry Potter first. The mm-hmm. second one though, I would say, is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Oh, have you ever read that book? I haven't. It's been on, it's on TBR though. I that's one that I I really have been dying to read. Okay. So Taylor Jenkins Reed is just among my favorites. And I talk about this book all the time, but it was one that I read. And I felt like the characters were real. That's amazing. Where I wanted to go and meet them. And she, Evelyn Hugo is a screen star in it. And so she talks about all these movies and I wanted to watch the movies that she was in. Yeah. So the idea that I would be going to like a 19, you know, mid 
mid 1900s kind of premiere and seeing all the things like I just that and I think that life of Hollywood glamour in that age really stands out to me so that was the second one and the third which I promise will be the last was (laughs) the house in the cerulean sea I haven't read that one either. Oh, it's so good. It's, oh, check that one out. It's such a warm book and it has some magic elements. Definitely magical, but a, a little bit more, a little quirkier and a little more tender. Like some of oh, it is just, yeah. I think it's just a place that you read it and there's just so much love in the characters and it's just a beautiful book. I loved it. I laughed and I cried. And so, yeah, I think I'd go there. So those are my, those are my top three because apparently I can't just answer a straight question. Like, you know, (laughs) my husband accused me of tree branching. I'm a tree brancher. I really, I do too. So (laughs) yeah, I'm right there with you. Put little leaves on it. Yes. Yes. Great. We can live in our treehouse together. Let's see. Well, I have to say, I definitely have to say I would be a, a Harry Potter as well, just because I loved, in fact, I, you know, that question, like if you could, if you could erase a whole series from your brain and reread it again, what series yes. would you choose? And, and for me, that answer is also Harry Potter, just oh. because it really, it really was such an incredible world. And, and I, I live in Florida, so I'm like two and a half hours away from Orlando. And we have we actually have Universal Studios passes. But I will always remember the first time that I went to Diagon Alley. Because oh. we were walking around and I was like, oh, it just kind of looks like a little boring. And then it's like, oh, what's this right here? And it's like, and this whole world, it just, it like, oh. it like these veil and parts and parts. And it's like this whole magical world. And it was like full body chills. And you are there at Diagon Alley. And it was just like, this is amazing. I never want to leave. I would like to live here now. You can call I'm me Hermione henceforth. <laughs> exactly. Oh. So, you know, honestly, like, I, I really did absolutely just love that world so much. So, And it was yeah. so singular because I think you and I are similar age. So the idea that it when it came out, it was so new and different. I think there's been a lot yes. since then. It was very feels, novel. Yes, yes. Novel is the right word. So yes. I think... And the way they yeah. did the movies too, where it feels like when oh, I saw the first movie. The movies movie, were so well done. Yes. Yes. When I saw the first that was, movie. That was probably one of the first series that I've seen, like that, or one of the books that I've seen the movie about where I haven't been like, oh, they did this wrong. They did that wrong. It's nothing like the book. This was the first, this it was really the movies. When I went to go see them, I was like, whoa, they yes. did such an awesome job. Like they really brought the book into like, of course the book is better. It's always better. But the movies were really, really well done. So yeah. It's so true. I couldn't agree more. Well, on that note, so basically main takeaway, I'll come over and we can go to Universal Studios together and maybe we can have cloaks and wands. Oh, stop. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) great. Booking my ticket now. See you soon. Well, Madeline, (laughs) I have to say this was super fun. Thank you for talking to me today. And thank you for being a writer and for writing both romance and historical fiction, both of which are so valuable and a joy to read. So thank you. And I can't wait to follow what's next for you. And also real quick, where can my people find more about you? Your website, I'm guessing, is that the best place? My website, so it's madelinemartin.com and it's M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E-M-A-R-T-I-N.com. 
<laughs> Perfect. I will send them all there. Thanks so much for this time today, friend. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I really absolutely appreciate it. You were so much fun to chat with. <laughs> oh, I feel the same way. So fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at juliewritesWords, or you can go to my website, juliewritesWords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book. <laughs>